Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that it was good. Because light is good. See, with it, you know where you're going. You can see what's around you, right? But without it, without the light, you're blind. Because you're in the darkness. You're lost. You're scared. Light is comfort. Light is safety. Light is hope. It's sustenance. It keeps you warm because light is life. Without the light, though, there's darkness and there's death. Without it, we cannot and we will not survive. But with light, there's life. Now, the Apostle John says in the first chapter of his gospel, he says this, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John writes this because he wants life in light for us. More importantly, and kind of overarching over that, is God wants light in life for us. Because without the light that God gives, listen, there's no life. We will remain blind and lost. We, we, we will remain in the darkness for all our days. He doesn't want that. Today, God is inviting some of us to walk into the light, right? To, to, to meet and know the real Jesus for like maybe the first time ever. To live for him and with him instead of living in the shame and in the, in the guilt of the past. Not just knowing about God, but actually knowing him. All right? And today God is inviting many of us to walk in the light. Because we've already entered into it at some time before. Beginning to live a life of purpose once again. One that will echo even into all of eternity. God's light is available today for each one of us. And his invitation is to enter it and to walk in it with him. With that said, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. You've been so good to us, God. We thank you, Lord, that, that you are the light, God that, God, that you shine brightly. And God, that when we choose to walk in the light, we can shine too. God, I pray today that we would hear from you. God, I pray that we would not only hear from you, but also understand what you're trying to tell us, God. That you might be glorified 
in this time, but also in the time to come as we respond, Lord Jesus, by faith, faith in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, with that said, hey, let's turn to John chapter 8. You can turn there if you got your Bible with you. Online folks, hey, turn there electronically, open up a new tab or something or, or your phone or, or a different device. Turn to John chapter 8. That's where we're going to hang out today. As we turn there, hey, here's the situation. All right, Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, you may have never even heard of that. You're like, what is the Feast of Tabernacles? All right, let's do a, a short little like, like a you know, you're at a kiddie pool. If there were diving boards at a kiddie pool, super unsafe. All right, but just, just go with it. We're going to go into the kiddie pool and go off a little kiddie diving board. Okay, here's what the Feast of Tabernacles is. It's eight days on the Jewish calendar, and it happens every autumn, okay, every fall. And it took place in downtown Jerusalem, right there at the temple, like the center of Jewish life. All right, and, and what the Feast of Tabernacles was all about, it was about remembering the 40 years of desert wilderness that their ancestors lived in. So John chapter 8, they remembered 1,500 years before that when Moses led the Hebrew people out of Egypt, out of slavery, right? They were in the desert for 40 years, and then they entered into modern-day Israel, the promised land. They remember that. Now, how did they remember that? They remembered it because during those 40 years, they dwelt in tents, temporary dwellings. They didn't build houses because they were always moving around. So they lived in tents during that time. So during these eight days, they would live in tents or tabernacles, hence the Feast of Tabernacles. They remembered that time by living in tents. They also remembered that time because it was a time where God's presence was made manifest. During those 40 years, God appeared and manifested himself to the Jewish people, right, by a pillar, a, cl a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night, all right, that's God's presence. So to remember that, what they did is the temple, imagine this, the temple is over here, and then in the temple court, just right outside the temple, the temple court area, they had four large pillars, okay? They were 75 feet tall, and on the top of each one of those four pillars, they had a big candle-looking thing, all right? We got lanterns, but, but they had candle-looking things, and each candle, had the candelabra, had like four arms to it. So you had like four uh, arms or lamps there. You had four lamps, four lamps, four lamps. So a total of 16. And each one of those arms of the candelabra had a big like bowl. And they filled it with like seven gallons of oil each. And then they lit it on fire. And it just blazed. The entire, historians say, the entire city of Jerusalem. There wasn't a spot you could go that those lamps did not light up and illuminate so they remembered that time in the wilderness by living in tents during these eight days. They remembered God's presence of, of a pillar of fire at night by all of these lamps burning for those eight days. They remembered his protection from enemies during those 40 years. They remembered not only his presence, not only his protection, but also his provision. It gets pretty cold in the desert at night. Some of us know that, right? Guess what kept him warm in those desert years? A pillar of fire at night. God provided warmth. He provided food. He provided shelter. He provided protect. All of this stuff. So they're remembering these good things of how good God is. And they celebrated it for eight days. Every autumn. Remembering and celebrating is really important. And that's kind of what we do at Easter, which is, what, three weeks away? Wow, that's awesome. 
Man, let's celebrate and remember God together when Easter comes around. Let's invite some other people in as well. All right, now John chapter 8 takes place, like we said, in autumn during the Feast of Tabernacles. But this is six months before the crucifixion. All right, this is in fall or autumn. Jesus gets crucified the very next spring. So we're about six months before that. Here's the climate taking place right here in John chapter 8. A lot of people hate Jesus. They hate him. All right, Jesus is driving them crazy. Jesus keeps talking about how he is God, all right, and, and, and we're going to see that explicitly, all right, and, and the Jewish leaders, they just want, they want to kill him, all right, they, they want to, they, they can't stand him. Halfway through the feast, Jesus arrives there, even though he knows people want to kill him, Jesus shows up and he's teaching publicly, and he teaches for those days leading up to what we're about to read, and then on day number eight, the last day, Here's what happens. All right, let's start. John chapter 8, verse number 2 is where we will begin reading. At dawn, Jesus appeared again. Somebody say, at dawn. All right, we're going to go with that. At dawn. That's important. It's a tiny detail, but it's significant, right? At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts, right? So right in the midst of these, these lamps, all right? He appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. So it's really early in the morning. Yet everybody's there because Jesus is there. Let's hear what he's got to say. And he sat down to teach them. That was normal, okay? A rabbi sits down to teach. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, these are the ones who hate Jesus, they brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group. And they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say, Jesus? Man, what a situation. Jesus is just sitting down to teach, and all of a sudden a woman is dragged in. She's probably half-clothed at best. I mean, at best. I mean, think about it. Don't let your imagination go too far. But if you're caught in the act of adultery, like in the act, and dragged before Jesus... Maybe you grabbed a sheet on the way out. I, I don't know how that works, but, but probably wasn't very becoming of her at that moment. Raises a few questions, though. Here's the first one that comes to mind. How do you catch someone in the act? Is that a just normal thing? You just catch someone in the act of adultery? It's like kind of seeing a car accident happen, and, and you, just, you just, by coincidence, you have your camera ready, and you get a, a snapshot of it. Like, that doesn't happen. That happened. Okay, so, so it's like, okay, something's a little fishy here. Um, and by the way, where was the man? The woman was dragged. It takes two to tango last time I checked, right? So, so where's the guy? He's not here. So it's like, you're kind of scratching your head like, what is going on here? All right, and that brings up a third question, which is obvious. Was this a setup? Is this just a clever way to get this woman killed? And at the same time, condemn Christ? Is that what's going on? Is this it's like all set up? Huh. Well, let's see. Verse 6. They were using this question as a trap. So we see some more evidence. In order to have a basis for accusing him. So we don't know exactly what happened. There's a, there's a, I mean, we don't get the full story here. But it sure seems like this was a setup. Because they're using it. They had some kind of plan in place. And now they're executing the plan. Hey, let's trap Jesus with this. Okay? 
Now, either way, whether it was a setup or whether it wasn't, and, and that's an interesting conversation, right? But either way, let's just, let's just ask one more question. What was this woman's life like? I bet you it was a mess. And we didn't need to go into details, but I bet you it was a mess. And she's the only one who knows how bad it truly was or truly is. She's a Jewish woman. We know that from the context. So she knows about God. She's like, oh, yeah, I know. I've known about God my whole life. But it's very clear that she does not know God. She knows about him, but she doesn't know God. How can we say that? How can I be so sure of that? Well, it's because she has no joy in the Lord. What? I didn't see, Bill, you didn't read that. You're making that up. She has no joy. That's not in there. No joy in the Lord. Here's how I can say that with absolute certainty. She has no joy in the Lord because if she did, she wouldn't be looking for love and joy elsewhere, which is exactly what we see happening. She was living her life in the dark, and it finally caught up with her. This was it. She was being dragged into the temple courts in the middle of these lights for all to see. And she's right before Jesus, the one who's like famous. He's been ministering for like two and a half, three years at this time. Everybody's talking about him. She knows this is the day she's going to die. She knows it. She's doomed. Let's keep reading. Let's finish up verse 6. But Jesus bent down. Right? So all of this is happening. Right? And they're like, well, hey, the law of Moses, right? Jesus, you know the law. You're a rabbi, right? I mean, you know Moses says, hey, kill someone. Kill the woman who's caught in adultery. You know that, right? Throw rocks at her until she dies, right? You know that's what the law says. What do you say, Jesus? Huh? Huh? You going to go against Moses? Huh? So it's all playing out, right? Here's what Jesus does. Does he answer? No. <laughs> he bends down. Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. Verse 7, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any of you, because at this point they got, they got rocks in their hand. They're ready to like kill her. Like they're just waiting. What's Jesus going to do? Because we got him now. They're just like, you know. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. See, Jesus is challenging them now. He's not entertaining their questions. He's not playing a game. He's just like, man, let's, let's cut down the business. He's like, which one of you are innocent? Now, maybe he's alluding to how this all played out, how they caught her in the act. Maybe he's alluding to that. Maybe he's alluding to the fact, hey, there's no guy here. You're breaking the law, yet you want me to honor the law. Are you out of your minds? I'm smarter than you. Like, you seriously want to have this discussion? I mean, it's crazy. He's challenging, how many of you are innocent? How many of you are able to just judge, right? Justly judge. How many of you can do that? Come on. He challenges them. And then we keep going. Verse 8. Again, so Jesus says this, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. What's he writing? I don't know. Verse 9. At this, who, those who heard him began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left. What a sight that must have been, huh? With the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then Jesus says, Neither do I condemn you. You see, Jesus 
He doesn't condemn the woman, which is shocking, by the way. He doesn't condemn her, even though she's sinful. Why not? Is it because adultery is really not that bad? Is that the reason? No, adultery is pretty bad. And Jesus knows it. And you bet the woman knows it now. It's bad. Was it because Jesus was in a really good mood, just had one little day? He had a really good breakfast, you know. He woke up early. He's like, man, I got my run in. You know, I have my quiet time. And, and man, I'm just, I'm just feeling good today, you know. So, so I'm going to let you off the hook. Was, is that what it was? Mm-mm. No way. Or was it this? Jesus saw that this woman was in need of forgiveness. He saw that she was living her light, life in the dark. And that she was not only in need of forgiveness, but also in need of light. Make no mistake, Jesus sees our need for forgiveness. He sees your need for forgiveness. And he's offering you that same grace Jesus would soon die for this woman's sins, like we said, about six months out from here, in the same way that Jesus died for our sins as well. The real Jesus, don't miss this, the real Jesus, he came not to shame or condemn us. Contrary to what we feel sometimes. All right, man, sometimes I feel this, maybe you feel this too, like, man, God's just out to get me. I mean, I've seen what happened in my life recently, and, and man, he's just out to get me. I screwed up. I know what it is. I can even remember when I really screwed up, and he's, he's just looking down on me. He's like, shame, shame, shame. I'm going to get you. I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to punish you for this one, all right? Jesus didn't come to shame and condemn us like sometimes we feel, right? He didn't, he didn't come to shame and condemn us like we've heard. Some of us have been under teaching, which is not biblical, by the way, under teaching that says God is going to punish you for your sins. I got good news for you. Jesus paid for your sins. He's not here. He didn't come 2,000 years ago to shame you or condemn you. He didn't. You know why Jesus came? It's like how John says at the end of his gospel. He came so that we would believe. Those who, those who hear, those of us right now, those online who are hearing, so that we would hear. And when we hear the truth, we would believe. And when we believe, we would have life. Life to the full, even. Can you believe that? It's kind of hard to believe. I'll admit that. This woman in John 8, it was really hard for her to believe. She's like, what is going on? I mean, I'm glad I'm not getting pelted with big rocks. Don't get me wrong, but like, what is going on? She could not believe, right? Like, like Jesus is not condemning me? I'm an adulterous woman. I was caught in the act like probably 10 minutes ago. Everybody knows. I don't, even, I don't even have proper clothing right now. Everybody can see how messed up I am, how great of a sinner. Jesus is not condemning me. God is showing me grace. What? What is going on? God sees the stuff that no one else sees, yet he's showing me grace. Wow. So here she is in the middle of four blazing lights that light up the whole city. Here she is in the presence of the light, Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, while the big blazing ball of light is rising in the east sky. Remember, this is dawn, right? And Jesus says, go now. In verse 11, go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus saw the darkness she was living in. 
He saw the woman's need for light, and he invited her in. He's like, come into the light. So she leaves the temple courts, right? And the exit was the east way, by the way, walking towards the sunrise. She's walking into the light. This is beautiful, right? Just the imagery. And she's entering the light for the very first time in her life. Man, how good is God? The one who could, but chooses not to condemn. The one who detects sin, but accepts the sinner. The one who is light in life, yet provides that same light in life to those who need it. Oh, he's so good. He is so good. Yet it gets even better. Verse 12. Oh, man, this is like mountaintop stuff here, right? Verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, right? Because some people, they walked away, right? They, they dropped their stones and they just, they just left. They split. Yet some people were still there, remember? And I bet you some Pharisees, some of the people who had stones, were still on the fringes, right? And they're still kind of listening and watching to see what's happening. So when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks, or sorry, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, some people, man, they're thinking it. Everybody's talking about it. But then Jesus comes right out and says it. He's like, ego and me, I am the light of the world. Now, some people say, I've heard this many times, some people say, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, we know better now, don't we? That's exactly wrong. Because guess what? He did. In each one of the I am statements in the Gospel of John, all right, there's seven of them. In each one of them, here's what he's saying. Ego, a me. And it means I am. Jesus is explicitly and unequivocally, like make no mistake, he is claiming that he is God. For so many years, I never knew that. But now we know. So here in verse 12, Jesus is announcing that he's God. But he's also saying this, that he is the light of the world. He's like, look, this Feast of Tabernacles, Listen, all of the 1,500 years ago when it happened, and, and today as we're celebrating and we're remembering, like it's all about me. This, this, these, these tabernacles, these tents that everybody's living in, it's, it all points to me. All these lights, they all point to me. I am the Word made flesh. I am the one who is currently tabernacling among you. I am the one that's shown, I'm the light that's shown in Genesis 1-3, 13 verses before God made the sun and the moon, by the way. How cool is that? Jesus is like, I was, I am the pillar of light that hung out with your ancestors in the wilderness. I was the presence of God there. I'm the one that provided for them. I protected them. And by the way, I am the one that when the sun goes out, I am going to shine and I'm going to illuminate every corner of the new heavens and the new earth that is described in Revelation verse 21. He's like, I am the light of the world. Not only for anyone first entering the light, like that woman in John 8, but I am also the light of the world for everyone returning to the light. If there's someone who has been a believer for years, but you're just 
walking with God right now. He's like, listen, I am the light of the world for you. Would you return to me? And I, my plea for every one of us, if we're in that situation, is would you return to God? Come back to the one who lived and died for your sins who rose three days later so that you could be in right standing before God so God could look at you and see the righteousness of Christ and he would give you credit for that. It's crazy, I know. But Jesus died for you. Would you return to him? And he's not only the light of the world for those entering the light for the first time or those returning who have been believers for a long He's also the light of the world for those of us who are currently walking with him. We're in good relationship, good communion with him. He's also the light of the world for those of us who are in that good situation. He says, whoever follows me will have the light of life. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to Walk in the light. I remember in the army a few years back doing uh, night missions, whether it's in South Carolina or the middle of Wisconsin at Fort McCoy. I mean, just like in the deep forest. I remember that. And man, we would, we would walk through the woods. It was so, so dark sometimes. But as long as you could see those cat eyes in front of you, no problem. Now, a lot of people are like, cat eyes? What are you talking about? carry cats around like that doesn't seem very safe like you know like oh man okay but you know but here's what cat eyes were they were they were um when you wear a kevlar helmet all right to, obviously to protect your you know your head um there was little glowy things on the back and and when you were walking through the forest you could see even though it was some honestly sometimes pitch black you really couldn't see much at all if you could see those cat eyes right it would it would let you know you're not alone You'd know where to walk because you could see your fellow soldier in front of you, all right? It gave you hope. It gave you confidence. And I'm going to tell you what, if things got really bad, never did for me, thankfully, but if things got really bad, those cat eyes, they provided life for you. Now, following Jesus or walking in the light, here's what it means for the one who has believed in Jesus, entered in the light. Here's what it looks. It's like, man, I'm no longer lost. I'm no longer alone in the darkness of this world, but I'm looking to my Savior, just like a soldier looks to the one in front of him, right? I'm looking to Jesus more and more that he would guide me. I'm looking at him more every day, like I'm, I'm going to church more. I'm growing in my faith as I hear the word of God preached in a practical way that makes a difference in my life. And it's so good. I just find myself going to church more. I find myself praying more. I find myself getting in the word more. I mean, it started with the verse of the day, but now it's like, man, I'm reading the whole chapter. I'm hitting that button. I'm reading the whole chapter. And I tell you what, sometimes I read the next chapter. It's just weird, right? Just all these changes. And in a, in a good, you're taking next steps in your faith. Like a, a good next step for somebody who's walking in the light right now might be this. Man, I'm going to join a real Jesus discussion group. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to get into one of those because, man, I got... I got so much, I just, I just want some more. I want some more light. I got light, but I want some more. Okay, and you can do that, by the way. Just check it out after church and uh, check it out, right? You might be like this. You're walking in the light, and here's what it looks like in your life. You might be evangelizing, even if you don't know what that word is. All right? <laughs> you might be just having conversations about Jesus. You might just talk to people, standing in the line at the post office or something, all right? Like, like man, you know what I heard at church? <laughs> I heard that Jesus said he's God. And personally, you're nuts. 
Okay, yeah. But you just find yourself talking, right? Or this is what I learned at church. Or I mean, this is what I learned in my small group. And you just, you find yourself talking about it more and more and more. You're going, right? You're growing in your faith, but you're also going. And you're representing Jesus in, in your life. And here's your attitude. Behind the scenes of all these outward actions, here's your attitude. I'm following Jesus now. You see, I believe and I trust that he loves me. Even if my eyes tell me otherwise, I believe and I trust that he loves me and God is for me. I'm not perfect yet. Listen, he'll make me perfect one day, but I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect yet. But at the same time, I'm not hiding anything anymore. I'm walking in the light. I'm living my life before God and for all to see. Good, bad, and ugly. Everyone sees it. I'm walking in the light. You see, he leads the way. He leads my path. He lights my path. He calls the shots. All I do is I follow. That's all I do. I just, I just follow and I walk with him. And as I follow Jesus, the light of the world, guess what? I'm shining too. For the person who follows Jesus, their light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not, will not, and cannot Overcome it. Just like the moon. Have you ever noticed how bright the moon shines some nights? You ever wonder that? You ever see that? Did you know the light has no light source of its own? The moon shines, but it doesn't produce any light. It simply reflects the light from the sun. Why do you suppose God made the moon that way? I have a theory. I wonder if it has anything to do with giving us something to look at, something for us to remember that we were made to reflect the sun also. Now, as good as that all sounds, some people still reject and rejected the light in John chapter 8. They wanted nothing to do with Jesus. In fact, at the end of John 8, I encourage you to read that, by the way. Keep reading. People pick up stones and guess they're not throwing it at a woman that time. They want to throw it at Jesus. They're ready to kill him. And the same is true today. Maybe not the rock or the stone part, but the same is true today. A lot of people reject the light. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. But listen, that doesn't change the fact of the matter. God's light is available to you and I today. Enter it. Walk in it today, not when I find my way or when I clean up my act or or when I get better or when I fix my situation, then I'll come to the light. No, 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 not that. Not when I understand, then I'll believe. It's it's the exact opposite. It's not I understand everything and then I believe. No, it's I believe then God grants me understanding. Some of us have said this, man, I'll come into the light when I'm ready. It doesn't work like that. We will never be ready. That's the whole reason that we need the light, that we need Jesus. We're never ready. Listen, we come to him and he makes us ready. Besides, we don't need to go to him. He comes to us. The question is this. Will you receive him? 
Will you leave your life of sin and shame? Open up the window. Let the light in because light is life. God's light is available to you today. Enter it and walk in it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for your light that you've made available to each one of us, Lord Jesus. Shine on us, God, that you might shine in us and through us. For those who are ready to receive Jesus today, Lord God, give them the courage to enter the light for the first time right now. If you're ready to receive Jesus, if you're ready to enter into the light for the first time, let's pray this prayer together. The exact words are not important. They're just a reflection of the good work that God is doing on the inside of you. They're a reflection that you're saying yes to God right now. So let's pray this. Lord, thank you for the grace that you showed that woman in John 8. You did not condemn her, Lord, but instead you forgave her. Please show me that same grace. God, you know more than anyone else, God, you know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I have been living in the darkness for too long without you. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died for my sins and I receive you now, Lord. Would you please receive me? Please rescue me. I'm leaving my life of sin starting right now. Receive me into your light that I might enter it. And God, that I might follow you forever. Thank you. On behalf of all of us who call Jesus light of the world, God, thank you for revealing yourself to us, the real Jesus, God, that we can come to know you through your word and through community with one another, God. Thank you for that. Thank you for recognizing our need for light and for inviting us in. Help us to follow you, Lord, that in the same way that you shine, God, that we might blaze brightly for you, that we would be blessed and you would be glorified pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.